Ushers, if you'll just move quickly and uh, you have outlines for today that are ready, if you could pass those out quickly and just quietly. And if you have your Bible today, if you'd open to Luke chapter 19. Chapter 19, beginning in verse 18 or 28, says this. And he said, when he had said this, he went on ahead and going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, and when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany and the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it, bring it here, and if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owner said to her, that, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And verse 37, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest and some of the Pharisees called him and from the crowd said teacher rebuke your disciples but he answered and said to them I tell you that if these should keep silent the stones would immediately cry out it's important that you do not suppress God's praise or let anything around you suppress it Um, stay with me verse 41 now as he drew near he saw the city And he wept over it. And I'm going to submit to you this morning that God is weeping not over just Jerusalem. But he's weeping over us, his church. He's weeping over the world that he created. He sees the circumstances and the situations we are in. And I believe God's heart is broken. And he wept over it saying this. If you had known, even you. especially this your day the things that make for what your peace if you had known the things that make for your peace but now they are hidden from your eyes for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you surround you and close you on in on every side and level you and your children with you to the ground and they will not leave you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation I believe right now prophetically we are in a time of visitation 
believe as we look around the world, I believe even for a nation that this is a today word, even for us as a nation, that we are on the verge because of where we are turning so far away from God. There are so many open displays of us as a nation. We have a new coin that's being minted that is taken in God. We trust off of it. The Air Force just took God out of the word God out of their logo. Um, there are so many things happening in, in different areas on, on a political scene, on a national scene, on social scene, on every level, uh, on, on all the moral issues of our day. And if we, if the church doesn't arise and come alive again, not just us right here, but this is who we're responsible for. You know, if we had a larger voice, we'd be responsible for more. But we're accountable right here. But it says, Jesus says, because you did not know. Because we didn't even understand. If you had known. I didn't like that statement that he said, if you had known. But because you didn't know, it's been hidden from you. I don't want the things of God hidden from me. Amen. Just look quickly. I'm just going to go through this this morning. I've been praying about this all week since the Lord gave me that word last week for our church. That he said we could have a day of visitation and asking him and pursuing him about this. And So just follow with me. I believe that there is an inherent responsibility given to each generation to prepare and give way to a day of visitation from the Lord. Every generation, I believe, has this inherent responsibility. By this I mean that we can read and search the annals of history to hear the stories and accounts of what God has done and did do in days gone by but there remains a definite responsibility on us to be a generation that determines if our history will record that we as well had a day of visitation Jesus was literally saying to them you are a generation who is missing your day of visitation from the Lord will we be the ones who have a deep stirring of discontent about the affairs of our day, the conditions of our society, society and the slumber of the church, the complacency of righteousness to act, and a deep sense of awareness that we are the ones with our hands on the wheel, standing at the helm and charting our course. Awakening to the truth that the real, of the reality that we can prepare the way of the Lord and usher in a day of visitation for our generation. It begins with a fresh passion for the house of the Lord. A return to true prayer and intercession, repentance and righteousness, and a renewed zeal for the life that is ours in Christ. As Jesus was entering Jerusalem, his desire was to do more than just to enter the city. The heart of God has never been just to be in our society, our city, or our government. Or to be confined only to a building where people gather to give a few moments of their time to Him and worship one day a week at best. He came to invade our lives from the inside out. The entrance He desires is to our hearts. When He is allowed entrance there, all else in our world will change. Jesus didn't come just to enter Jerusalem and to rule over us. He came to enter our hearts and to reign within us with all His glory. Revival is this. Last night I was on my bed. I, I just felt God prompt me and I wrote this down. Revival is this. It is man getting out of God's way. 
in his own house and allowing God to have back his rightful place of lordship over all creation, even his church. I wish you would consider with me today that that it's so easy for us to become religious and to have order and to have fashion and put everything together and to call that God, but God doesn't even know what's going on there. It is man opening the door that he has closed on God with this form of religion that is void of relationship with God. When we read our Bible, we read the account of this actually happening to people and God in flesh being with them. Signs, wonders, and miracles happening. They're glorifying God for the miracles that they had seen. But yet when the Lord comes in, they, they don't know how to respond to Him. And it's so hard to let go of what we've created. We have much invested in this. We created this and we've supported this and we promoted this. It is less of our representation of Him and more of our desperate need of Him. Revival comes when we take a peek behind the veil of our religion and discover that we have drastically underestimated all that He is willing to do in and through our lives. This is what I think. I think from moment to moment, God just allows us to do that, to push the curtain away and to let us look behind this veil of religion that we have to see the more that is available. Just as we read this morning from Jesus, that there is more, how much more, that that if we could do good things and, and we have settled for the good when there is much more. Think about it. It is birthed out of the repentance that comes from relying upon our own strength when His way was readily available to us. Most of what we do for God flows from what we can do for God. Instead of abandoning ourselves and saying, God, we're going to wait on You and we're going to wait for Your power and we're going to walk and flow with Your power. Hear me this morning, and, 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 and God just gave me all this this morning when I got up and began writing. We don't need another preacher who can wax eloquently in the proclaiming of God's Word, wowing the masses, yet affecting no hearts with real change. I go through the channels every now and then, I listen to some guys preach, and I say, man, I am so inept. At eloquence. It, 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 it amazes me. Listen to some of these guys and they can articulate and expand and, and explain and, and draw word pictures. And I'm like, I'm stumbling. I don't even finish my words. But we don't need another preacher who can wax eloquent and proclaiming the of God's word, wowing the masses, yet affecting no hearts with real change. Impressive sermons and delivery, lights, cameras, and bands don't add up to a visitation. Just merely another presentation. Because unless hearts are inflamed with the fire of the Holy Spirit, which transforms the soul and leads us to renewal of life on every level, it is not a visitation. It doesn't, matter how, it doesn't matter how emotional our services get. It doesn't matter what's happening. If there's no transformation taking place in our lives, when we walk out, we haven't had a visitation. We've just had a presentation. And we need transformation. Our world does not need more fleshly displays of human emotion in an effort to invoke a response from God. Your emotion does not move God. God moves on us and we cannot contain it. 
And there are times that he moves upon us. I'm, I'm reading about revivals. I'm reading about Finney and Jonathan Edwards and the power of God coming upon men and them falling out. And, 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 and that's been a part of it, God's power, and he moves upon us. But he doesn't need us. We are not Holy Ghost cheerleaders. We, we are not going to root down or, you know, how, how could I? We're not going to cheer down the presence of God. We're going to find, we're going to release God's presence when we fall on our knees and we seek God with our faith. Jesus said, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with your whole heart. Hear me this morning. I get excited. I shout. I jump. I dance. I'll run. I'll do whatever. But I do that in response to what's happening, not trying to get something to happen. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. Stay with me. So hear me. The world needs to see people who have truly been with Jesus and have nothing to declare or display but Him. That's what they said about the disciples. They looked at them and said, these are ignorant and unlearned men, but they had been with Jesus. The world around us is deaf and blind to the truth of God's Word in their life. Unless He can send us in His power to touch and heal them, they will never know His love for you. Think about that. His love for them. He sends us for this specific purpose. Go with me to Acts 26, if you would, real quick. Acts chapter 26. Listen to what the Lord said to the Apostle Paul. Beginning in verse 16, the Lord appears to Paul and he says, But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. How many know that God's purpose is many times different than what we form and call His purpose? I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and the things of which I will yet reveal to you. Can I declare to you, we just haven't seen it all yet. God would reveal more. If we would follow Him purely. Think about this. Verse 17. And I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Isn't that cool that God sends you to people that He needs to deliver you from? I'm sending you there. They're going to, oh, so glad you're here. No. He says, I'll send you to people that I have to deliver you from. Because they won't hear any other way. Now listen to this. To whom I now send you. Watch. To do what? To open their eyes in order to turn them from what? Darkness to light and from the power of who? There is a world that is blind and under the power of Satan. And God, when He brings days of visitation, raises up a people that He can send to a people who seemingly on the outside do not receive them. And it seems that they have to be delivered from them. But that's the only way that they're going to be delivered and have their eyes open from the darkness and delivered from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in Me. I, I hardly ever listen to Christian talk radio but as I'm driving with Pastor Sue up Friday night I rode up so I could ride my bike home and uh, with her and uh, she was coming to the women's meeting and 
her radio was tuned in to AM 710. And I'm amazed. AM 710, KFIA, is very conservative. As we're coming by uh, Walmart up here, the guy's talking about, yes. And uh, we're, we're having these miracles in our church and this healing in our church. And this lady came in and, and she has pancreatic cancer and she is dying. And, and, and this couple was in our church and, and, and they, they were just lost and living together and doing everything else. This lady comes and she gets healed. She goes to the doctor the next day. The doctor does the x-rays and, and, and there's absolutely no trace of cancer in her body. And this couple gets saved and they're, and they're getting married. They want to become members of the church. Everything else. But through, and he said, but God, God, we are living in a day. And it just tied in with everything God said. And it's like, it's like I turned on the radio and God had a word for me from KFIA. It scared me. And he said this, that God, this is the day that God is talking to the world through sign language. That God is once again doing signs and wonders. Because, listen to me, because of the foolishness of the church, because of the cold lukewarmness of the church, because of the backsliding in the pews in the church, the church has lost its voice and the world has a deaf ear and they can't hear when we try to preach the gospel, when we try to tell them they need our help, they can point out as many of our faults as we could point out of theirs. And so the only way they'll hear now is through sign language. And that's how we were sent. Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 16, He says, let your light shine. Go be salt and go be light. Go, go with me to, to, to Matthew chapter 9. Watch this with me. Hear me today, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but I'm saying if we think we just be religious and we're going to have a visitation from God, it is not going to happen that way. The world, need, the, the world can't hear us. They have to see the gospel now. And that's what Jesus commissioned his disciples to do. In Luke chapter 10, he said, go and heal them. He didn't say go preach to them. He said, go heal them. In verses 8 through 11, go heal them. And then tell them. Go show them some sign language. And then tell them that the kingdom has come to them. In Matthew chapter 9. In verse 8, it says this. Let me get there in this, but I'm using this new Bible. It's hard for me to find everything. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 8. Now when the multitude Todd's, excuse me, saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Matthew 9 and verse 8. That God has given power to men. When they saw it, when the multitudes what? Saw the miracle. When they see God in demonstration. You've heard me say it before. It's easy. I like to do it. I like apologetics. I like talking with people with different views and stuff and sharing and trying to convince people with arguments. But on the other side of that, God never debates His existence. God doesn't debate with the ignorant. He demonstrates His glory. He will never debate. He will always demonstrate. And if we will get out of... The, the Bible says that, that the manifestation or the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit has been given to everyone to profit with all. One reason why we, we prayed for people to be filled with the Spirit last week and we said that it's so, so vital that we be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with powers that God needs a people of demonstration in the hour of visitation. Can you agree with me this morning? It is so important to us. In doing that, 
First Peter chapter 2, if you'll turn there with me quickly. I'll turn there. I have it marked. When you get there, you can look at it. But verse 12 says this. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good work which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. There's something to be happening about us that are the good works of God that people can see and that are connected to the day of visitation. Hear this. Sign language is what is needed. They cannot hear, but they can understand the sign language of God's power displayed through the lives of His people who are truly filled with the Spirit and anointed with power. God has chosen to speak in each generation through the sign language of His Spirit by doing signs and wonders and miracles through the hands of those who awaken their day to their day of visitation which opens their ears to hear. Hear me this morning. I don't want to miss or not perceive, know, and understand in this our day that things that make for peace. Jesus said, because you did not know, you did not perceive, you did not understand the thing that make for peace. Wow, I don't want to miss that. I don't want them hidden from my eye. He said, they are now hidden from your eye. I'm willing to make an open door of entrance for the Lord into His house, allowing Him to drive out. Go back with me to Luke chapter 19, if you would. I thought it was interesting. I was curious, so I got out my revival study Bible and after I'd put everything together and I, I turned there to see if they had had anything in this passage, any footnote or any commentary about this day of visitation. And as I looked it up, it says this concerning verses 44 through 48 that we just read. Jerusalem did not recognize the Kairos time of its visitation. The Greek word Kairos translated as time implies a season of great significance not necessarily convenient how many know that inconvenience is not a word our society likes but a kairos moment is not necessarily convenient but one in which there is a excuse me or of great significance not necessarily of convenient but one in which there is a necessity of task at hand Revival seldom comes when it is convenient. The opportunity for revival produces a cry for deliverance, which when mature invites God's visitation. And God visits His people for three reasons. His visitation examines the overall conditions of the people's hearts and character, both good and bad. His visitation looks upon the people in a way to grant them mercy. And then lastly, His visitation is directly related to mustering and considering his people as an army. He will examine them to see if they desire to fight for their freedom from oppression. How many know the church has been oppressed? We're being told, there, there, there were cheerleaders who were just told, there was an article that came out, get these blues from, from uh, news 
brief things and flashes on my emails from uh, conservative groups and stuff. But cheerleaders been saying, "Hey, you can't have 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 anything in your in your signs or any scripture references or anything on different things. Can't have this up. Can't have that up." Which is just closing in, to just seeing. Hey, how far back can we shove you in a corner and you will accept it? And that's what the Lord that The Lord come. A couple weeks I told you that at the Democratic Convention, the devil just raised the veil and threw something out to see if anybody would respond. Oh, oh it's no big deal. You know, it's just a no, let's just see if we can take God out of the political platform and let's just see if we can remove Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and nobody will even do anything about it. Let's see if the church is even awake or not. And then he pushed it back. Well, let's see if they'll do anything about it. They'll do anything about this. Because, no, it'd be inconvenient for us to get out of our comfort zone and to speak up for God. It'd be inconvenient for us to enlist and to go into battle. But I'm telling you that there's a day of visitation that is at hand. And God is raising up an army in His church. And it's time for us to be willing to be inconvenienced by God and answer the call to battle. Amen. This doesn't even have anything to do with religion. If our nation doesn't have a change, our nation is over. If we stay with the same administration that we have, our nation is over. There's a currently a move right now across our nation. There are over 3,000 pastors that are planning on having a Pulpit Freedom Sunday because in 1954, Lyndon Baines Johnson, when he was defeated, uh, when he was narrowly elected in, in, into, the, into the Senate, he went in there and he drafted an amendment to the IRS resolution because there were two nonprofit organizations that fought against him and, 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 and caused him to lose uh, a part of his campaign and stuff and so he was so upset that he wrote the Johnson amendment to the IRS tax code that declared that that nonprofit organizations couldn't speak or support political campaigns but he never intended it for it to be the church and so since then the church has been so afraid of losing its tax exempt that it's given up its voice to be a voice of truth and righteousness in our nation therefore if you follow the degradation of our nation since the pulpit lost its backbone to speak about the things that are supposed to be spoken about in the house of God and toward God's people our nation has been on a downhill slide to hell Prayer has been taken out of our schools. Over 50 million babies have been murdered in the womb. And murder is no longer a big deal. If a pulpit speaks about, if a pastor speaks about abortion, he's being too political. If a pastor speaks about the redefinition of marriage between a man and a woman being the only definition of marriage, he's being too political. But we need a chance. But, but it's not going to come. It's inconvenient. Not everybody's going to like you. You cannot be a believer and be politically correct. Being a Christian and being a believer are diametrically opposed to being politically correct. You have to take it. That's why, listen, what, listen what God said to Paul. Paul, I'm sending you to a people that I will have to deliver you from. We've been told make everybody like you. Some people aren't supposed to like you. They're supposed to be so mad at you that they repent. Amen. I remember, I, I haven't told the story for a long time. When we were first in ministry, we had a lady in, in, that, that worked with us. And she was my assistant. I, I don't know why they thought I could do this. But they, they hired us primarily to, to run their Christian school. 
And I'd only been saved like three years and I still could barely spell huh. I mean, it just, I, I'm, I just, I faked it through high school. Do I have any friends? Yeah, it's great. You got, yeah. There was no test back then. They just got you out. Amen. Anyway, but through that, we're running the school. And, and this lady's name was Nettie Wilder. And she was my sister. But she was one day up, one day down, Nettie. And that doesn't go well with me. And we're working together. We're in the room. And so we have Jack Reddick as our evangelist. He's coming in and he would do, when we had meetings with Brother Jack, he, he would come in and do night meetings. But in the mornings, he, he would do lessons on faith. And teach people about faith and believing God and that God wants him to use him and do great things through them. And so we would take the school in in the morning. We'd have like chapel all that week with him and stuff. And so it's Monday morning and, and uh, we're all getting ready to go in. I go, Nettie, you coming into chapel? She goes, no. She was having one of her down days. I said, no. She gets her Bible, had the big Bible cover up with the sword on it, you know, the real spiritual looking Bible cover. <laughs> big Bible cover with the sword, grabs up her Bible like this and starts walking towards our, 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 our little office area there. And uh, I said, hey, hey, why don't you just take that Bible, throw it in the garbage can, backslide and go to hell because you don't believe a word it says anyway. How you like me now? And she got so mad at me. Why? It was the truth. But you can't deliver people that you don't have the courage or the tenacity or the fortitude or the spiritual backbone to speak the word that they need to hear. You can't, oh, I'm sorry you're going through it. I will continue to pray for you. You're in rebellion. And so that night she came to service, went to the altar to pray over her anger against me. And got a breakthrough. You need to be the catalyst to somebody's breakthrough one of these days. Amen. Amen. I have many stories like that. But listen, God said, I will send you to people that I have to deliver you from. Are you with me this morning? Hear me. I want to make an open door of entrance for God and for the Lord into his house, allowing him to drive out. Look at what verse 45 says. After he declares this in Luke 19, he immediately goes into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying them is written, my house is a house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves and he began to remove everything that didn't belong in God's house when revival comes God does that he comes and begins to remove things that don't deal right there he changes messages that are preached he changes begins to speak to our heart differently we begin to feel conviction in a different way something about us wants to get right with God wants to be right with God wants to open up and be honest before him could I get an amen this morning so I want to drive out 
that he could drive out all things that offend all things that are contrary to his will plan and purpose for my life all things that hinder confuse and bind me from being able to see that this is our day and time of visitation when I was 47 and a half God spoke this promise to me and today I'm living in the promise from God that 50 to 70 would be my most productive years in my walk with him and it came with no more detail than just that God's word says this will be the most productive time of your life with me that's it okay what does that mean he he, he doesn't do it like that he just gives you vague empty statements and he says now just walk with me and then you we have the choice of whether we will pursue him or not and follow after that or not or where we will just casually dismiss those words meaning this to live it i will have to follow him i cannot plan it form it or direct it i can only live it in complete reliance upon him to perform his word concerning me just as he has through every step and journey of our life together thus far and like I said what I am sensing in my spirit is God is calling our church I've always been able to look back and kind of like Joseph when Joseph was brought out of the prison in my walk with God as as my journey has progressed and, and time has been added to it I'm able to look back and see okay I understand why you had to take me there to get me here some of you haven't walked with God long enough to figure out that he has to take you through a certain place Joseph has had to be despised by his brothers, had to be sold into slavery, had to be imprisoned by Potiphar, had to have the butler and the baker reject him so that when he brought him out, it was the right time and he had been ingrained and informed and infused with the knowledge of that. And when he brought him out, God brought him out the exact season. But if you get your attitude wrong because you don't understand why he has to take you there to get you here, you miss your day of visitation. And so walking with God is just that when he said, this will be your most productive time. And I can just sin. I've watched our church. I watch people come in and out. I watch people. I have yet been able to figure out people since 1981 when we went into full-time ministry. I have no idea what you people are about. No pastor does. I don't care what they say. You cannot figure people out. Could I get an amen? You just look, I go, how does our church go up and down and up and down and in and out and doing this and falling down to falling out? And I just got to go, God, you got to be bigger than what I can see. And so we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. And if God says, I'll bring you a visitation, then it must be with those that He has preserved and brought together at this moment, at this time. And it has to be just like 50 to 70 will be your most productive years. If God says, I'll give you a day of visitation, I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what 50 to 70 will be your most productive means. I just know He's going to do something that's not going to come out of me. It's going to come from heaven and it's going to invade my life. day of visitation is the same way is a promise to be lived by and through our faith in him for his glory never forgetting Ephesians 2 and verse 10 that says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them you were created for a good work in God God saves you for a good work 
me just share this with you just in preparing and reading this and I was going to read you something about Ian Bounds about prayer and he's talking about our passion and prayer I'm going to say this it's a great inconvenience you have a routine right now on what you do so for me to challenge you and encourage you to come here tonight on Sunday nights and put Sunday nights back in your life for God to put God let me put it another way to put God back in your life on Sunday nights it means that you'll have to be inconvenienced out of your regular schedule Something about your schedule will have to be inconvenient for God. But can't God move and everything about my life still be convenient? Yes, but He'll move, but without you. And the move of God will happen around you. You can be near it, you can see it, but it won't touch you. Are you with me? But there has to be something about us that stirs and even hearing. D.L. Moody did this in confessing. He said, that D.L. Moody was haunted all his life by an occasion when he felt he got too clever in presenting the gospel. Six years before he died, he recounted what happened back in Chicago in the fall of 1871. I intended to devote six nights to Christ's life. I had spent four Sunday nights on the subject, and I followed him from the manger along through his life to his arrest and trial. And on the fifth Sunday night, October 8th, I was preaching to the largest congregation I had ever had in Chicago, quite elated with my success. My text was, what shall I do then with this Jesus, which is called the Christ? That night I made one of the biggest mistakes of my life. After preaching, with all the power that God had given me, urging Christ upon the people, I closed the sermon and said, would you take this, next, take this text home with you and turn it over in your minds during the week? And next Sunday, we will come to Calvary and the cross. And we will decide what we will do with Jesus of Nazareth. Just at that moment, a fire bell rang nearby. Moody quickly dismissed the meeting and sent people out of the building. It was the beginning of the great Chicago fire in which over the next 27 hours left 300 dead and 90,000 homeless, a great city in ashes. Obviously, Moody never got to finish his sermon series. He continued like this, I have never seen that congregation since. I have hard work, I, I have hard work to keep back the tears today. 22 years have passed, and I will never meet those people again until I meet them in another world. But I want to tell you one lesson I learned that night, which I have never forgotten, and that is this. That when I preach, I press Christ upon the people then and there, trying to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would rather have my right arm cut off than give an audience a week to decide what to do with Jesus. So I'm saying to you that even for our church, maybe we need to learn a lesson. God is challenging me in ways that I don't understand. When I told you when I felt God presence like this, and, and, and all God has been having, I'm just making a call. I'm, I'm just, everything I'm doing is an altar call. Everything I'm doing is a call of God, that I feel God is ushering this new call. And I'm trying to, I don't even know where to read. I don't even know how to study. I'm just like, God, what are we doing? 
And, and that's what revival is, that when we get out of His way and we just say, Hey, God, show up and show us what you want to do. But understanding, we think, and, and, and we become so, that just that term, seeker-sensitive. We become so sensitive and seeking not to offend. And Moody in doing that, and it rocked him, haunted him for 22 years. Imagine your friend and you sense God urging you to talk to your friend and witness to your friend, but because you don't want to offend them, because you don't, I would never say what pastor said, but God is urging you, you need to go confront that person, you need to tell them and challenge them right now, and then your friend unexpectedly dies in an auto accident, something happened to your parents, they're caught in a tsunami in Japan or or someplace, I mean they're caught in an earthquake, they're caught in a disaster happened, and you never see them again and the opportunity is gone like moody it would haunt you and i are you with me this morning and god urges us and he presses us because the heart of god is out there the most expensive thing in this world is sin the highest price ever paid for anything is the redemption of a soul and that's how valuable every life is to god We need to allow God to press us back to the place where people once again matter to us. That we're not just bound up in the convenience of our own life. Chasing our own dreams and our own pursuits. I believe with all my heart in the prosperity that God wants for the lives of His people. That God will bless you. I believe that even when there is famine in the land, God will bless you. That you can be like Jacob and you can sow in famine and reap a hundredfold. I believe that. But one of the greatest detriments that the prosperity message did to the church, it has sent us seeking the things of this world and lost our sight and our passion for the things of God. To where we equated wealth with spirituality. That somehow if I'm rich, if I'm multiplied, then I'm more spiritual than the guy that's just getting by. That is not so. Are you with me? We need to be a people that cry out, the only wealth that matters in heaven is a soul. If you have no souls in your account, you are bankrupt in heaven. Let me just say that again. If you have no souls in your account, you are bankrupt in heaven. Souls are the currency of heaven. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. You're here this morning. You don't know Christ as your Savior. God brought you here just for that reason. That you might know that He loves you. That He cares for you. So much that He would give the life of His only Son. That you would not perish. But have everlasting life. You're here today and you don't know him. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to come to this altar, find a place of prayer, and give your life to Christ. If you're here today and you know that there's compromise in your life and you're twisting the scriptures to justify what you're doing and you've twisted things around and, and, and your life is a life of justification and reason before God and God is stirring you and calling upon you, I'm going to give you a moment to come to this altar. Talk to the Lord. Say yes to him. If you're here today and you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you need, as we said last week, we went through the whole scriptures. If you weren't here, get the outline, get the, get the lesson, get the CD, everything there that's God's will, that everybody be filled with this power. Be a people that are filled with the Spirit in this day and this hour. Then you can come, we'll pray with you, and God will fill you today. If you're here today and you just need to say yes to God, God is pulling on you. You sense a day of visitation coming. 
this is a day of visitation and you sense God calling you and you need to be the one that opens the door to your heart our church is comprised of each individual heart that is here it's up to us to open the doors of our heart to invite him in and say Lord come in and purge out anything that hinders work in my life remove anything that hinders God's pulling on you in that way in just a moment I give you the opportunity to get up and come this way So worship teams come back and you still have your heads bowed and we're praying together. Father, today, I ask you. God, open our eyes to see the day of visitation that you are sending upon us. Father, today, help us. Help us to respond to you and say yes to you with all that we have. Lord, for the one here that does not know you, I pray that they would move towards you today. Father, for the one here that's playing games with you and being religious but not living righteous, I pray that they would come to you today. Father, for those who sense your stirring, your calling, but have yet to be able to break out of the inconvenience to say yes to you, I pray for them today, God, move upon our hearts in these next few moments. Holy Spirit, come feel and invade this place. Rest upon us. Speak to us. Draw us to the Father right now. In Jesus' name.